The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. We're talking tight end strategy. You are listening to the Fantasy Football Almanac Show with Sean Ryan and David G from Guru Fantasy World. David, how are you doing today, my friend? What's up, man? I'm excited to talk tight ends. This is my favorite uh, fantasy position right here. Yeah, I know. This is, uh, I think, a fitting, I guess. This is our first official recording of the Fantasy Football Almanac, although I don't know how the episode sequence because, you know, that, that takes some time. So this might be kind of a back episode depending on when people pick it up. But, um, yeah, man, I know uh, tight ends are your thing. Um, you're a big proponent of the, the draft tight end early strategies we kind of teased last week. So, um, you know, I think the, the most fitting thing is I know we have a kind of a sequence. We want to talk about some top players. We want to talk some, about some breakouts. But I think, uh, you know, let's let you kind of run with the ship and, uh, and say, you know, what are your thoughts on tight end strategy first and foremost? And then let's talk some of the, uh, the toughest tight ends up at the top of the bracket there. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of set you up here. All right. So all right. I'm going to pitch a question to you. How high do you think is too high to take Travis Kelsey or George Kittle? Um, for me, I'm generally a guy that likes to wait until at least the third round. Um, but let me cut you off right there. <laughs> wrong, wrong answer. All right. I'm going to tell you why Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are both worth first round picks. Whoa. <laughs> for me, for me, I've always taken them round two, mm-hmm. early round two. I've been willing to go Kelsey basically the past three years, early round two. Haven't had a problem with it. I will say this is the year I'm more apt to pass on those two in round two and target Mark Andrews in round three because I really like Mark Andrews. Right. But but if you are have already decided you're targeting Travis Kelsey in early round two, I think there's a major case to be made for targeting him late round one. And for me, it, it comes down to roster construction and the the options that you have. If you're going running back round one and you plan on taking Travis Kelsey round two and you don't feel as comfortable with George Kittle as you do with Travis Kelsey, it makes sense to take Kelsey first in the late first round and then get the running back. If you look at the running back options in the late first round, we have Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, uh, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, even Kenyon Drake. So it's kind of hard to differentiate between which running back is going to finish the highest out of those late round run, round one, round one, early round two Mm -hmm. running backs. So if you want Kelsey, don't take a chance of someone taking him at the swing, pick 13, 14, first couple picks around two. Get him pick 11, get him pick 10, and then take whichever running back falls to you in round two. I agree, and I'm big on is is readers of the fantasy football almanac. Oh, I should uh, I should have put this uh, this up at the front for uh, for our YouTube audience and everywhere you're catching this. The 2020 fantasy football almanac and draft guide available on Amazon.com. If you're worried about the season due to COVID, anybody who um, this guide comes with free updates. Anybody who purchases the guide um, and signs up for those updates. If the season's canceled, I'm going to automatically give you the updates for 2021 as well. So uh, there's no worry there. You don't have to worry about the the you know spending money on something that gets canceled. Uh, deeper sleeper projection, all that stuff. But what that almanac is really um, big on is draft tactics. And so you kind of touched on something that I think a lot of people kind of missed the boat on. Um, and I, I did this last year. I'm in a, for example, one-person keeper league. And it's a, kind of one of those keeper leagues where you get to keep 
the player at the draft position. So if you draft somebody in round 13 that you're going to keep the next year and that's your one player, you get that person at the round 13 value, which is, you know, that basically rewards people who can draft well late. Um, I had the swing. I had the last pick in the first round. So, you know, every now and then I got two picks in a row. I wanted Austin Eckler. He was high on my list. Um, I had the rounds eight and nine swing. I picked somebody else in round eight, picked Eckler at round nine because I figured he had a chance at being a keeper this year. And that's exactly what happened. So now I have him at around nine value. Um, draft tactics, it's, it's important, right? And so what you said about Kelsey, you're sitting at round 10 and you're looking at your draft sheet and you're thinking, well, I think Kelsey is a cut above the rest at, at tight end, right? I think he's going to give you an extra like two to three points per game. Not as, as stark as maybe Christian McCaffrey was at the running back position last year where just the competitive advantage was off the charts. But you think Kelsey gives me this much advantage. These running backs are all similar. You don't know how they're going to fall. Let me take Kelsey now, and then I'm happy with any one of the next four to five running backs. You need to think about those things when you go into the draft. Is like, if I have the decision between this player and these four players, do I do I pop on this guy early because I don't care which round of the or these guys? And you know, I know a lot of people are probably listening to this thinking, well, yeah, of course, of course. But I would say people that think that way and prepare that way for a draft, I would say that's the minority, not the majority. Um, for all these people. So it's, it's something you got to think about. And that's why, you know, the Almanac goes into these draft tiers and they go into draft tiers by, you know, PPR versus standard versus all this stuff as well. And, you know, PPR versus non-PPR, that can shake up your tight end rankings massively. Um, Kelsey is going to be at the top of my list in yours as well, no matter what. But uh, but there you go. Yeah, I think it comes down to durability with the Kelsey-Kittle conundrum. I mean, Kittle's great. He's just as good on a points-per-game basis, but you just look at the games missed the past two years. I think that kind of elevates Kelsey up into his own sort of tier where he's just – he gives you an advantage over the rest of your league mates that, you know, George Kittle is just a little riskier with. Right. Now, I'm going to hit you with something, too, talking about tight ends in the first round. Like I said, for me, tactically speaking, I'm, I'm st- I know I'm a little bit old school, but I am kind of gravitating more towards, um, towards a different way, which we've talked about with these, uh, you know, talking about eventually we're going to do like a fantasy football kind of mock draft and, and kind of go through and play out different scenarios. I'm gravitating more towards the idea of drafting the receiver and the tight end a little bit earlier just because they give you significant competitive advantage. Um, and especially in a PPR league, you can find some running backs that'll produce late. But usually I draft first two to three rounds of running back and hope hope my league does the same thing and hope I can get a guy um, like like you said, like Andrews. I'd be okay drafting Andrews maybe in the third round. Um, certainly yeah. if Kittle and Kelsey, I mean, come on, you got to draft, but there's no way Kelsey's slipping past the second round. You might have a chance at Kittle depending on your league, although I think that would be a mistake. To, to let him drop that far, you might have a shot. Um, but yeah, I'm coming around. I but think, go ahead. I think the reason I like Andrews as my favorite tight end target in round three is just because the running back, running back start it seems really ideal this year compared to last. After round two, it just seems like it's a major cliff. Once Austin Eckler and Miles Sanders come off the board for me, mm. I mean, maybe for that, I don't love Chubb in PPR leagues. Yeah. I mean, even after those two guys, it quickly drops to like girly David Johnson territory and I'm not very comfortable yeah people are high such risk risk yeah. heavy guys like that right and you're, you're talking I know this is a tight end show but you're talking about girly I've, I've seen some stupid projections and people have to understand that Todd Gurley is in Dirk Cutter's system it's very rare for a running back to get volume 
um, even in the passing game in in that offensive system. I'm not a buyer. I saw ESPN like right after that signing come out say he's going to score 15 to 20 touchdowns. I'm like, what are you smoking, guys? Come on. Um, you know, running backs. I think this year is interesting because I like a lot of the rookies. Like if I'm in a dynasty format. Um, I, and I'm not, unfortunately, if I'm in a dynasty format, this is the year, even if I had a good team, I would trade those assets for early draft picks to reload. Uh, JK Dobbins is my favorite running back in the draft. I don't know if he's the guy in redraft formats this year. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I loved And I would just went back, um, because these free updates, you know, I'm going through another update cycle in the book, um, which is going to be probably out by the time people are picking up the show, but I loved Jonathan Taylor. I loved J.K. Dobbins. I think for Dynasty League, those are probably my top two. Cam Akers, what do you think about Cam Akers? Sign tangent here. What do you think about Cam Akers and the Rams? I love the opportunity, but he just, I don't know, man. There's something about his running. I don't know that he's the type of runner we, that McVay wants. So I see a little I do bit of have, there. I do have not as good a gut feeling. I don't know, honestly, yeah. what I base it on with Cam Akers because I liked him and I liked the landing mm-hmm. spot, but the offensive line... Yeah. Daryl Henderson. I mean, they have other receiving targets to get the ball to. I, I think he's got a very wide range of outcomes this year. He could go completely crazy, mm-hmm. and he could seize that third down gig and basically be a workhorse. Right. But there's also major downside. Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. It could be a three-way committee. I mean, uh-huh. I think I'd probably, if we're talking running backs, I'd probably rather DeAndre Swift, uh, even in like yeah. re- redress, redraft leagues. Than Cam Akers. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, back to tight ends. So the uh, tight ends, though. So again, another thing, another feature of the guide has this uh, what's called uh, PAR, points above replacement. It's like baseball's WAR, but it's just fantasy football points above replacement. There's um, you know algorithms that go behind it. Obviously, I'm not going to go into the the math behind that. But again, back to your first round tight end strategy, and, I, and I'm just reading through some of these. The number six player in the league because it normalizes all the positions together. Number six player in the league in points above replacement, Travis Kelsey. Just behind Christian McCaffrey, by the way, who's number five, and that's going to surprise some people. Travis Kelsey at number six. Number seven, George Kittle. Um, So if you were to look at points above replacement in my draft guide, and that's not what I suggest doing. The way I suggest using it is look at that analytic, and when you're trying to make that decision, how early do I draft a tight end? If you see that points above replacement is far and above away, like the point you are making earlier in the show, maybe like uh, Josh Jacobs, then maybe you want to pop on him early, right? It's just more information to give you. But if you were to draft specifically on points above replacement, Kelsey would be the number seven player in the draft. And I don't think that would be a bad pick, honestly. If I'm looking at these things, and there are a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are some receivers that creep into that level. Usually you can do better in finding receivers later in that draft. But it's a lot at the top. And you know who the number one player is in points above replacement? Michael Thomas. Really, Michael huh? Thomas, just based, and this is PPR. This is based on PPR, obviously, um, which is an interesting one. Tyreek Hill's up there. Um, and it's funny because the running backs at the top score so similarly um, that their, their relative value at that position at the top of the draft is low. And then the running backs, of course, start to dominate kind of in the middle tiers. But does that translate to draft strategy? I would argue not. But, uh, but it is just kind of a food for thought there is this the year especially with like we talked about last uh, week david with um um with covid and all that stuff is this the year that maybe you want to dominate the other positions and uh, especially in a ppr format do you want to maybe go after this rookie roll the dice a little bit go after a ppr specialist like james white now that cam newton is in new england everybody's still sleeping on james white you know is this year that you do that 
I don't know, man. I, I want to get it. I can't wait to get into these fantasy football mock yeah. drafts and, and play out some of these scenarios because I'm really curious to see who I can get rounds five, six, and seven if I go dominant on uh, on quarterback and tight end early. You bring up another point too about I was ready to go there even before COVID, but it just kind of hammers it home with with mm-hmm. uh, the coronavirus. Is leave drafting one tight end in the past. Leave it in the past. Yeah. You need to be drafting two tight ends in every single league. One, because of the coronavirus situation, you don't want to be lost without your starting tight end and have no backup. And two, it's starting to expand just a little bit towards the back end of the tight end pool that there are legitimate breakout options in those mm-hmm. in those late rounds. You you owe yourself the opportunity to hit on one of those guys as well as paired with your starting tight end because, one, it gives you depth and stability at probably the hardest position to find production at. And, two, if you hit early and hit late, you get crazy, crazy trade chip. Like last year I took Travis Kelsey in round two. Mm-hmm. I took Mark Andrews late. Oh, nice. Week, week three, people were just begging me for either and, and Kelsey let's be or honest, Andrews. Not, not everybody's league format allows it, although I think it's um, draconian not to allow um, a, a tight end to be flexed out. But most leagues, I think, today allow a flex tight end. My goodness, mm-hmm. it, Mark Andrews is a flex, like a strong flex player um, if he's your I second traded, tight end. I traded Andrews and Jarvis Landry, who I took in uh-huh. like the seventh round for Chris Godwin after four oh, weeks. Oh, man. So that's nice. kind of my nice point. Flip. Like, Wait on wide receivers. Make sure you're hitting on tight end. You can flip the wideouts. You can flip them easy. People, they see a tight end or a running back with a pulse, and they say, all right, I'll, tr- I'll turn Godwin into Landry. It's a downgrade, but I got nothing at tight end. Yeah, so right. it helps me overall, and it did help that team overall. It helped us both. It was a win-win. So I'm I'm a big proponent of drafting two tight ends no matter what. And I know you have a at list. At least. Yeah, sure. I, I completely agree. And I know you have a list of um, of kind of potential breakouts, and we'll get there in just a second. But, you know, another thing, like I was talking about points above replacement, um, I, and I've been using this kind of philosophy. This is the first year I've published it in the book. I've been personally using it for about 15 to 20 years, um, you know, doing my own metrics. And I've been basically kind of testing it. Anything that hits the book has at least three years, usually five years of testing before it gets published. So I'm a big believer in it. I'm just not throwing stuff out there. But the way I like to use, another way I like to use this points above replacement is to find sleepers, right? It it helped me identify um, Lamar Jackson last year. Uh, People that read my book will know this because when you sign up for the free updates, um, you'll know that I was begging people to draft uh, Darren Waller in the last round of the draft. So he's he's going undrafted. Just wait. Pick a kicker around early, pick the defense around early, and just pick Darren Waller in the last round. You won't be you'll you'll start the run on kicker, you'll start the run, um, or at least be in the at the top of the run in defense, and then you get I think a weekly starter at tight end. That's exactly what happened, right? And so when I said earlier, like for me, it, do I draft a, a tight end early? Maybe this is the year that I do that, but usually I don't because I've always had I've always had success in drafting a late tight end or maybe even two. Um, but before we get there, because I think this is a, a great time to transition to that, the, that breakout section that we wanted to get to, a player that's coming back high on my metrics, which it's, it's kind of causing a schism in my brain because I'm just like, I want to I wanna downgrade him, but all, all of my information, my offensive system scouting, all that stuff is telling me don't buy into the hype that he's degrading is Zach Ertz, and he's coming back. And look, I love Dallas Goddard, and that's the big risk. 
everybody keep in mind for Philadelphia, I had a question about Miles Sanders this week in my, you know, my email with my free updates. And I said, look, I, I like Miles Sanders. I actually, he was my favorite running back coming out last year in terms of talent. But Doug Peterson sometimes goes four deep at running back. You never know what this guy's going to do with running back. So there's always some risk there. Is he going to be the leader in the backfield? Yes, absolutely. But what does that mean? And I said, you know, last year in Philadelphia for, for Miles Sanders, and this affects Zach Ertz as well. Last year, Philadelphia, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, basically out for most of the year. And they were just trying to find any receiver who could run a route. Um, Aguilar sucks, as everybody knows. Um, Arcega Whiteside just didn't pop um, his rookie year. A jury's still out on him, I guess. I know they added a, a receiver. But this year, the receiver's coming back in depth, depending on what Philadelphia does with Deshaun Jackson and his you know, his Twitter stuff. We won't even talk yeah. about that. I'm not <laughs> – look, I, I don't know that Deshaun Jackson makes this roster anymore. Um, but and, and that's a valid, very valid thing. But if he doesn't, does that help Zach Ertz? I think it could. But Zach Ertz is banged up. Last year, Philadelphia, just remember, um, you know, on the way, I think they finished 9-7, and seven, won the division. Their, um, their receivers are bad. They basically had Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard, and Zach Ertz for some of the season because Ertz was banged up. They had two tight ends to throw to and a running back. And then, of course, Boston Scott kind of broke out as well. This year, they have the receivers back. They have more of the offense of what they want to do. That opens things up for Zach Ertz. So I think the opportunity for tight end will be there. But Dallas Goddard's really good. Is he going to eat into those those things? So there's a risk there. My analytics love the position, but my eyes are telling me Zach Ertz is, or I'm sorry, Dallas Goddard, he kind of asserted himself as more of a red zone guy, um, maybe because everybody, all the attention was on Ertz. What do you think about that? That's, I just threw a bunch of Philadelphia Eagles at you with Zach yeah. Ertz, but wh- how do you feel about the scenario there? Uh, I think any risk, I don't know if I've heard anyone associate with risk with Zach Ertz until mm. you right now, to be honest. I they think should be. <laughs> totally, totally overblown to me because you talk about the wide receivers coming back, even if we give them all Sean Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson back and say Jalen Rager's a good rookie, Ertz is still the number one. He's still the yeah. number one target in that passing game. And how many tight ends can say that in the league? We got probably Kelsey, yep. Kittle, Mark Andrews, Ertz, maybe Darren Waller, maybe Hunter Henry, and I'm gonna throw in one dark horse for leading his receiving course, maybe Chris Herndon. But that's mm. about five, six tight ends who could be the number one option in their receiving game. So I'm I'm not overblowing any concern about risk. I do love Goddard. But I still see Ertz as the number one passing game, number one option in an explosive passing offense. So yep. I'm not worried about him at all. Yeah, and and to that point too, I do think Philadelphia. I mean, it's hard to remember, um, but the New England Patriots when they had Gronkowski and uh, Hernandez before Hernandez's you know fall from grace and all that. That was shaping up to be a two tight end, very tough uh, matchup offense. Um, and I know back then, I believe they still had Welker back then. I mean, it's it's hard for me to kind of put those. Th- I th- they might have even had some overlap with Randy they Moss. They did have Welker. They had Welker. It was before Moss, I believe, but they did have Welker. And then they had Dion Branch as mm. their other wide out. Yeah. And so, you know, th- that two tight end offense, that was shaping up. Now, of course, as we know, uh, Hernandez, you know, he went to jail and is now deceased. And then Gronkowski became Gronkowski. But that was a two tight end offense, right? And I do think that Philadelphia is kind of moving because they found this identity and this thing that worked at the end of last season. And once they got a couple of wide receivers back on the roster, they won the division. And if Wentz didn't get hurt, they probably would have won that playoff game, that first playoff game too. So they were about to go on a run. Now with the receivers healthy, I do think there's a lot of balls to go around. And um, But I do think that the mouths will be fed there. And I do have Dallas Goddard in a PPR format as my 13th tight end. So that's a I got him higher. 
You got him higher? I got him, I believe, 10th or 11th. So I want to hit on that real quick Go because you talked about loving Dallas Gard. I, do, I love him too, and I'm not worried about him being the second tight end on that team. I, right. Almost always any other situation I would be. But like you said, this is about as close to a patriots Gronk hernandez situation as yeah. we've seen in a, a while. And personally, I don't have any faith in 30-something-year-old all Sean Jeffrey no. coming back from Liz Frank. He's been hurt, banged up every year. Sean Jackson, don't even need to say anything about that. Yeah. Even if Jalen Rager hits, we're talking about Dallas Garda. He's the number three receiving option on this team. He mm-hmm. could be the number two receiving option on this team. I think he if will. If Jalen Rager struggles to come along quick and Jeffrey doesn't bounce back from a Liz Frank. So there's still significant upside. He was one of my late round tight ends I wanted to talk about here. So uh, there you go. Uh, let's talk jump about the gun on me a little <laughs> bit. But let's let's look at this one thing that I have for um, the player index. If you look at tight ends through two seasons to have at least ninety one receptions, mm-hmm. nine hundred forty one receiving yards and nine touchdowns, which Dallas Scotter did, this is the list of tight ends through two years. Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, Aaron Hernandez, Evan Ingram, Chris Cooley, Jermaine Gresham Gresham John Carlson, Antonio Gates, Mark Andrews, Dallas Gardert. Gardert. Yeah. That's it. Ten guys. That is an extremely good list to be on of names. Mm-hmm. So I think he's talented. He's got the athleticism. He's got the draft capital. He was taken in round two. He's got no wide receivers. He's got a high passing offense. I think everything lines up for Dallas Gardert to have a great year, even playing behind Zach Ertz. Yep, yep, I, I completely agree. And I'm looking through, and I, I, this is a great time to, to talk about some of these kind of um, lower. And, and that was my point. I think two Philadelphia Eagles receivers could be season-long starters at the tight end position this year um, in all formats. I really do. And one of the things, again, the book um, that I do is every single week um, I chart plays. You know, I watch all the games. I have Game Pass. Usually I'm watching three games at a time, um, but I have Game Pass to clean up and, and watch, like, all the all the different games. And I chart plays. And Dallas Goddard was the red zone guy last year. Again, you know, there are different factors because I know people are double covering Zach Ertz, um, you know, every time. Maybe that's not going to be the case. Maybe some of that shifts or maybe that evens out. So maybe that actually, as more attention gets over to Dallas Goddard, maybe some of that, um, you know, those touchdowns go back Zach Ertz's way and, and he pops. But either way. Um, I, I completely agree with you. And I, and I argued that rookie receivers usually take a while, as we saw last year in Philadelphia with our Seagull Whiteside. Yeah, Rager m- might not pop. Um, and I would say not that— a, Not a right away, at least. Yeah, exactly. And I would say it's likelier that he won't pop. Um, so I, I completely agree with you. I like that there. Why don't you give me another um, tight end kind of with these dark horses on your list? Well, first I want to say what I look for. What I look mm-hmm. for is basically four factors. I look for athleticism. Hopefully elite. I look for draft capital. I look for offensive philosophy, a team that's hopefully passing the ball a good mm-hmm. amount. And then I look for uh, a lack of wide receivers on the team. And this kind of approach would have netted you guys like Mark Andrews last year, who was an athlete, draft mm-hmm. capital. Didn't have the philosophy, but had no wide receivers. Darren Waller, athleticism, no draft capital, but he had uh, lack wide receivers. So I kind of look for guys that have at least two to three of these things hit down. When you say draft Some capital, guy, are you talking about draft position in the NFL draft? Like how high yeah, were you drafted? NFL yeah, NFL draft. Okay. Yep. Um, so some guys who fit the mold for me this year, everybody's heard this name, but I'll hit it on again, Hayden Hurst. Yeah. This guy was a first round. He was taken before Lamar Jackson by the Ravens, all mm. right? He, he wasn't really actually even bad in his first two years either. He just was crowded. Mark Andrews is a stud. It's hard going off next to Mark Andrews. 
You know, about Hayden Hurst, I saw him his rookie year. Um, again, I watch, I watch the preseason games because that's big in terms of the free updates and all that stuff. That's, uh, the, the, the preseason updates are important. Like that was when I saw um, Christian McCaffrey a couple years ago, um, I think the first year of the publication. There was, there was a time Christian McCaffrey wasn't quote-unquote Christian McCaffrey. I saw him, North Turner, taking over the offense back then. I was just like, oh, my gosh, you need to draft him. I told everybody, I said, draft, make sure you get him because he was a second-round pick. Um, back then, if you can remember the, the, that, it was only like three years ago, but th- there was a time Christian McCaffrey was a second round pick. I said, get him as early as he can. I think I moved up to number five and, you know, he became Christian McCaffrey that we know and love now. Um, but, you know, going back to uh, tight end, I saw Hayden Hurst and he just jumped out at me on film. I said, this dude is one of the more athletic tight ends that I've seen. He's going to break out. But like you said, there was just a lot of crowd there. Um, that was back. Joe Flacco was still a quarterback at that point. It was a different kind of offense. Mark Andrews kind of took the, new, the, the, the reins, I should say, of that offense. And, uh, and everything changed. Now, as soon as Austin Hooper went to Cleveland, I downgraded Austin Hooper. Because I loved him in Atlanta. I, I talking about, um, we were talking about uh, Todd Gurley earlier in Dirk Carter's system. Don't like the running backs there. Love the tight ends there. Love the tight ends. As soon as Hayden Hurst signed, I said, ooh, this guy, I'm going to be able to get him late. And he's going to be a year-long starter. I was thinking, ah, I'm going to be able to get him in the last round like uh, Darren Waller. But the hype caught up. Um, so it, people are talking about him now. Nobody was talking about him early in the offseason. Uh, that was kind of an under-the-radar move. Love him in Atlanta. I think he's going to be better in Atlanta than Austin Hooper was for those Falcons. I think he adds a, a different layer in terms of his his on-the-field talent. Where I think he got held behind in Baltimore is, you know, Baltimore wants to run that ball, and he's not as good of a run blocker as Mark Andrews is. Um, or Nick Boyle. Yeah, or Boyle. And that's why he was there, but it's not because he can't be an impact tight end. So that's why I think people are sleeping on him. But, you know, I think now the hype is starting to run off on him. And I think right, rightfully so. I'm going to even be moving him up in my rankings because I had him artificially low based on where he was ranked when I wrote the book. I'm going to have to bump him up because I think he's definitely a bankable year-long starter. Um, and yep. you don't have to draft got, him the first three rounds. He's got the athleticism. He ran a 4.6, 740. Dude, he's, he's good. Dra- first-round draft capital. He's in an offensive system that was first in passing attempts last year. And then you talked about Austin Hooper. You think it'd be better. Let's talk about if he's worse. Even if he's worse, even if it takes some time to establish chemistry with Matt Ryan, let's talk about what his finish would be like. Look at Austin Hooper last year. 75 for 787, six touchdowns in 13 games. That's a 16-game pace of 92 receptions, 968 yards, and seven touchdowns. All right. If you take 75% of that production... That's tight end seven last year. You take 70% of that production, it's tight end eight. Mm-hmm. 65% of that production, it's tight end nine. 60% of that production, it's tight end 11. So if Hayden Hurst produces barely <laughs> half of what Austin Hooper did last year, you're mm-hmm. getting a starting tight end. So I think the floor is there. The ceiling is crazy high. Uh-huh. Again, he checks all of the boxes, athleticism, draft cap, philosophy, except for lack of wide receivers. Yeah, yeah that is true. There's, but, <laughs> but, he'll, but he'll, he'll get volume, man. And I think as a route runner, he's going to be better than Hooper. I just I, – I, I, love, I love him in Atlanta. Who's another guy on your list? So we talked about Goddard. Um, another guy on my list is going to be Jonu Smith, right? Mm. His combine was crazy. Let me pull this up real quick. He ran a 4.6240, a 38-inch vertical, 127-inch broad jumps, and a 4.18 shuttle. So the athleticism isn't just great. It's it's borderline elite. 
He also he's got the draft capital around three. Doesn't quite have that offensive philosophy, but there's no wide receivers on the team. You talk about he could be legitimately the number two wide receiver on You're this right. team, number two receiving option behind AJ Brown. Corey Davis is there, Adam Humphreys, Delaney Walker's gone, vacates targets. Deion Lewis gone, vacates targets. Tajay Sharp gone, vacates targets. They didn't add anyone to soak right. up those targets. They're going to have to go somewhere. Yep. Um, another guy, Mike Gusecki, checks all the boxes. Athleticism, he was an elite athlete. Let's pull up his combine real quick. This one is... While you're pulling makes, that makes, up... Makes my eyes widen. Yeah, while you're pulling that up about Kosicki, um, I I was somebody who liked him last year because of the new offensive scheme, you know, the kind of the Patriot offensive philosophy coming in last year. I know things are changing this year. Uh, Chan Gately takes over at offensive coordinator there. Um, You know, going back and looking through the systems over the years and and kind of mapping the Miami Dolphins personnel um, to previous Chan Gately offenses. Um, Look, I like uh, Preston Williams. I like uh, Devontae uh, Parker to to be the guys there in the, the receiving game. But there are going to be opportunities for tight end in this offense, it's going to be even more improved. People were down on Gesicki because <clears throat> his rookie year was with Adam Gase, and um, you know he just never really broke into the lineup. But Adam Gase is kind of a goofball. <laughs> you never really, you really never know. That's a he kind way of saying it. <laughs> I know he didn't like Devontae Parker either. Remember, um, he didn't like Kenyon Drake. Yeah, he didn't like Ryan Tannehill. He didn't like anyone. Who he doesn't did like. Good. He really, really doesn't like anyone. He doesn't like Le'Veon Bell either. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's just he's kind of a goofball. But Gesicki, he's going to have. He's going to have opportunities in this offense, and I think the optics, and it's T.J. Hawkinson, I think, has fallen into this trap, too, um, last year. Remember, T.J. Hawkinson only had eight games with Matt Stafford, had a pretty decent um, stretch with him early in the season, got injured. Um, in this offense, uh, Daryl Bevel, like, TJ, don't think about where T.J. Hawkinson finished in terms of your optics. Think about why he finished where he did. And that's what their argument I made last year about Gesicki, so I like him, but you pulled up his stats. Why don't you talk about him a little bit more? Well, for Gesicki, the combine was a four-five-four-forty, a forty-one and a half inch wow. vertical, hundred twenty-nine inch broad jump, and a four-point-one-zero shuttle. Wow. So this guy is a freak athlete. I don't love him as a player because it doesn't seem like that athleticism kind Transits. of matches up. Yeah, is as well as he is with a player. But you just look at the target competition. The fact they're probably playing from behind. He's got a lot of the factors that you look for in a breakout tight end. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at my my rankings. We just hit, touched on Jonu Smith, T.J. Hawkinson, and Gesicki, and they're just boom, boom, boom uh, in my rankings, kind of in that uh, next tier um, of, of guys. And I have Gesicki, then Hawkinson, then Smith in my lineup. Um, but again, you know, those guys I think are all offer value. I know Hawkinson, I kind of inserted him into your conversation there. But I do think that <clears throat> Hawkinson came in with – um, with a lot of hype last year. And I'd said everybody, in readers of my book will know this, I said, pump the brakes. Like, look, he's not freaking Gronkowski, right? And, like, everybody's like, hey, Matt Patricia, he's New England. Gronkowski. Matt uh, um, uh, Patricia, he did not bring New England's offense over. This is a different offensive scheme. It's different, okay? so it's I not think gonna... it was the size-speed combo, too, that yeah. the blocking, the all-around, all-purpose type. People wanted to throw that Gronk, that draft, high draft capital. People wanted to compare him. There were nuts. There's enough value. We're talking about a bunch of guys here who can start for your team. There's no reason to to hype a guy like uh, Komet um, for Chicago. Not that I think he's getting a lot of hype now. Um, in fact, I think Komet. I, I, I feel like he's not getting enough hype given where 
where he was drafted and how much this offense really needs a tight end because everybody's so butthurt over what happened with um, the guy who's so Ray off. Burton. Yeah, I couldn't even remember his name. He was so off my radar because uh, he, yeah. he burned me that first year, and I think he burned everybody so bad that everybody's afraid of Chicago tight ends. But he could actually be a guy that goes completely undrafted, maybe even a waiver guy after the draft. Uh, put him on your watch list and see how many targets he gets if there are preseason games or uh, that week one, man, if he gets like 10 targets, pick him up because he's probably going to get 10 to 15 targets all season long. So kind of like Noah Fant last year, it might not be great at mm. the beginning of the year, but he might pick up a little steam, yep. you know, as he starts to settle in as a rookie. I'm looking more to year two in like a dynasty format. I like Cole Komet. Yeah, yeah. But he's definitely someone to keep your eye on for sure. Speaking of Fant, where, where do you have Fant? You have him high in your rankings? I'm a little bit more worried about Fant yeah. this year just because Sutton, I think Judy's a legit talent. I think KJ Hamler's a legit talent. Yeah. People don't talk I, about I'm him really as worried. much. Right. They don't. And I'm really worried they're going to run the ball a lot. Drew Locke is going to his second year as a starter. He only started, what, four games yeah. last year? I mean, he needs to settle in. They don't have a lot of time to work together. They signed Melvin Gordon. They have Phillip Lindsay. They're going to run the ball. Those are two running backs who can catch throw in the three wide receivers i mean it's gonna be hard for fant without an injury to really be a consistent starter in my yeah opinion. i have him i have him down actually below smith um hawkinson and gasicki and i actually have uh devin uh up there in new england and especially probably I, I might even upgrade him a little bit with cam newton getting there although i'm not sold on cam newton everybody is just giving him to the keys to the franchise I want to see what happens in camp first um to see i mean there's a lot of stuff there's personality fit um, with New England, everybody was crazy over Antonio Brown when he signed there. We got one game, you know, before he was cut loose. Let, let's just pump the brakes on Cam Newton and the New England Patriots uh, Super Bowl talk. You know, it's it is possible that Stidham still starts a quarterback. That's all I'm saying. But Cam Newton will see the field um, regardless. But uh, I'm pumping the brakes on that. I want to I want to see. I don't want to hear the hype. I want to see it first. Um, any other guys here? I can probably close the show down a little bit here, but any other guys that we didn't talk about that you want to uh, want to give us some love to? I think it was just I mentioned them once, but I didn't really get into it. It was just Chris Herndon. Mm. I love, yeah. love, love the opportunity there. We were so high on this guy after his rookie year. He had a great rookie year. He was the next big thing, and it just didn't come together in year two. Started with the suspension, had the injuries. And everybody's off now. Nobody wants to get burned again because so many of us got yeah. burned by Chris Herndon last year. But you look at it, he's an elite athlete, had great rookie production. I I think the only guys to match his rookie production of, like, uh, I believe it was 39 receptions, 500-something yards, nice. four touchdowns, eight uh, yards per target. It was like Gronk Hernandez and one other tight end. I don't remember exactly who. But he had elite rookie production. And then you look at the wide receivers – Jameson Crowder, Denzel Mims, Perriman, these guys are complimentary players, really. Yeah. Chris Herndon could be the number one option in this passing offense. He, Sam Darnold's not bad. They're going to be playing from behind. I see he could be this year's Darren Waller, in my opinion. So, I, and I, I agree with everything you said, um, but I talked about it in the Gasicki when we were talking about Gasicki before. Gase just worries me. Um, you, you just don't know what you're going to get. But let me let me say some pro Herndon stuff, okay? So one of the, one of the things I do, not in the book, but uh, on the YouTube channel, is I have this segment called the Fantasy Football Fallout, um, where I kind of go through like, you know, who are the top ten um, players each week. I have you know the hyped players that kicked you in the nuts. You know, I do all these different things. But what was interesting is while Herndon was out, uh, Brian Griffin was like the number one tight end, like two out of four weeks late in the season. Uh, Sam Darnold does like throwing to the tight end. So there is value there. Is he going to pass the, the, the Adam Gase 
doghouse test, I have no freaking clue because I don't think you can project that, man. He's like, you just don't know what you're going to get. But if he gets the field, I think what you were saying, um, look, I like Jamison Crowder in a PPR format. I think he's a, a, a year-long flex player. His average draft position is ridiculously low for um, for the PPR format. He's probably a flex, too, in a, in a PPR league. Um, but Jamison Crowder is not a red zone threat. Denzel Mims, I don't think you can count on that rookie receiver here being a red zone threat. Brashad Perriman, former first-round pick, he's not a red zone threat. His best games in his career were when uh, two receivers were hurt in Tampa Bay. I think Herndon is, I don't even think arguably, I think he should be the number one red zone target when they get down there. Um, And let me throw in one thing real quick, too, about that, about uh, Adam Gase and the red zone. He was, I believe they were by far last place in uh, rushes inside the 10. They were throwing the ball when they got close to the end zone. So that's another good thing for Herndon. And you mentioned Adam Gase, but I don't think that's always terrible for fantasy. Adam Gase is bad. That means the Jets are going to be bad. Their <laughs> defense is going to be bad. The one thing holding it together is Jamal Adams. He wants out. So they're going to be playing from behind. Bad is might be good for, for Chris Herndon. I, I don't think it's necessarily uh, something to doom him over. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I, I agree there. Um, we'll just... His personnel decisions, man. Like you said, this is the guy, this, hard this is the guy that tried to ruin Kenyon Drake's career. Um, you know, he didn't. Uh, there, there's just a slew of, of people. That's why I say, like, running back in Miami. Don't if talking about like Jordan Howard now and um, and the fellow that came over from San Francisco. I can't remember his name off the top. Brita. Uh, Brita. Um, don't think about Miami's running back situation last year. It's a different scheme. A lot of investment in offensive line. You're going to get a lot of value at running back. Uh, I think Jordan Howard is going to be, um, look, it's going to be a little bit of a committee. That's what Chan Gailey does. Jordan Howard's going to give you a tremendous value on your fantasy football draft day. So, again, do you draft that tight end early when you can get Jordan Howard late? You can. Um, and, uh, like, I, I can't wait. We're going to we're gonna do this fantasy football mock draft with scenario at some point. And uh, we'll see what happens. So uh, that'll be a fun segment. But there you go. I think that's a good episode. Once again, everybody, uh, just reminder, the Fantasy Football Almanac and Draft Guide available on Amazon.com. Uh, free updates throughout the offseason. Uh, you're talking about our different approaches and everything. It's all math-driven, but I do watch a lot of film if you haven't caught up. Um, if for some reason coronavirus strikes and the NFL season gets canceled, I'll automatically, if you opt in for those updates, I'll automatically put you on the updates for 2021 so you don't have to worry about losing money or anything like that. And uh, check the link below. There you go. Hey, man. Oh, uh, plug your Twitter uh, and your blog real quick, David. Yeah, if you guys want to follow me, you can just follow me at GuruFantasyWRLD on Twitter, and then you can go to GuruFantasyWorld.blogspot.com. Yep, and I'll have uh, I'll have his Twitter info in the show notes below as well, so you just go ahead and expand and uh, make sure you give him a follow. I'm at TFS underscore Sean, also in the show notes below, giving me a follow. Fantasy Football Almanac Show. Uh, we'll be back next week with something. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I like that tight end discussion. It's a lot of fun. So thanks a lot, man, and uh, go out. Have a great week, everyone. You too. Later, man.